Now let us turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15 again. Over the last few weeks, we learned that partial obedience, as far as God is concerned, is disobedience. That was Saul's life, always partially disobeying God, thinking that it is fine. Then we also learned last week, well, we like to be like Saul in playing the blame game. When we sin, it is very convenient to blame others instead of taking responsibility. Now, this week, we want to focus on verses 22 and 23. 22 and 23. 23. Now, hear the words of the Lord in verse 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, and this is our title, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Now, what does this mean? We know that King Saul has been given very specific instruction to utterly destroy both men and animals and possessions of the Amalekites. But he kept, he spared the king, King Agag, spared the best of the animals. Now, he disobeyed God in that. And his reasoning, right, his reasoning, look at verse 21. Well, but the people took of the spoil, the sheep, the oxen, the chief of the things. Well, he was, again, blaming, right? He was blaming them. Now, but his reasoning was this. Yes, we sh should have been utterly destroyed. But he says, well, it is to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Now, Samuel had to correct this thinking by making this statement. To obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fats of rams. Now, whether Saul sincerely meant that he kept and allowed the people to keep the best of the animals for sacrifice, whether it was a sincere thing or not, well, we cannot fully tell. Whether it was, well, he himself wanted all right, these things. But this was just, well, uh, a way to excuse himself for sparing these things and disobeying God. Now, we cannot tell. But this we know, he disobeyed God. So whatever the intention may be, Samuel had to correct this way of thinking. Now, what is this way of thinking? It is the idea, it is the idea that, well, if disobeying God in something, in a particular commandment or commandment, enables us, right, to obey Him and maybe even do better in obeying Him in another area. So that is what it means. Well, does God require His people to bring sacrifices, the best and the unblemished? Yes. That was His commandment. But whether intentional, intentional or uh, ignorance, uh, well, say, well, God needs, God wants those things. So in order for us to bring these things to Him, well, we need to spare the best of the best. Isn't it true? The thinking that it is okay 
to disobey God. If by doing so, we can obey God in another aspect and maybe even do better. More sacrifices, more animals, more offerings. Now here, God through Samuel has to correct the thinking. And I fear, Christians, I fear that this is also the danger with many of us. Whether consciously, unconsciously, we seem to think, we seem to think, look at verse 22, that God has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices. We seem to think that if we can bring this to God, now today, of course, for us, sacrifices of animals are not required. But there are still things that we are expected to bring to God. Our service, for example, is a form of sacrifice, offering to God, our prayer, our tithe, our offerings. All these things are what we bring to God. Now, sometimes we can fall into this dangerous thinking that, well, I am doing all this. I'm serving. In fact, I'm serving very hard, very faithfully. And I'm bringing, well, I'm giving my tithe and offerings faithfully. Much of it too. But we think that just because we do that, then God must be very pleased with us. He's delighted with these things. Now, to the point where we think that, well, I know in certain areas I'm not obedient. But I think it should be fine with God because He delights in these external things that I've brought Him. So, hence, Samuel had to correct that thinking. Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Now, that is a question that the answer is very clear. Of course not. Of course not. Now here Samuel says, Behold, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Behold. Now it is calling Saul. Saul, you need to take note of this. Saul, you need to pay attention to this. Saul, you need to come to this clear realization. Now that is the same call to us today. Now whatever it is in your life, Whatever aspect, whatever area, whatever um, um, thinking that you have that, well, I know that there are certain areas that I'm disobeying God in my personal life, in my family life, in my um, singlehood, in my, in my retirement life. I know that there are these areas that are absent, but there are many areas that have been very good. I can carry on living like that. Now, if <clears throat> we have this mistaken thinking that God is pleased with us, you need to <clears throat> take... Note of this word, behold. Behold. Now, obedience, as God says here, obedience, young and old alike. I hope we behold this. Obedience is what delights God and what makes what we bring to Him delightful. Obedience is what delights God and makes what we bring to Him delightful. Now, we will see more of that regarding what God expects later on. But for now, this is what this statement means. Now, then we ask ourselves, what are some potential causes? What are some potential reasons why we end up thinking like that, all right? 
Now I want us to search our own hearts instead of just judging King Saul. Now sometimes, the following are some reasons why we can also think, behave, react like Saul. The first one. Well, like Saul, excuses. Excuses. Just plain excuses. We knew he spared Agat, King Agat, for him to parade his victory around Israel, right? We saw that in chapter 15, chapter 15 and verse 12, right? Now, he set him up a place, is gone about and passed on and gone down. So he was making his rounds with King Agat to show off his prize, victory. He set a place means he even had a place to commemorate like a, a, a pillar or something. He set a place where people will always remember, wow, King Saul was so great. He conquered the Amalekites and he, he showed us physically, the king, who now has to be walking with him on the chain like a dog. Now, but in order to spare Agag and not become too obvious, he has to spare the goods as well. So that there is an excuse, right? We spared, well, whether human or things, we spared because we want to bring offerings to God. If you only spared King Agat, it becomes very obvious. Just plain excuses. Now, Christian, sometimes we can commit sin directly, in direct disobedience to God under the disguise, the hypocrisy, giving a loud profession as obedience to God. We'll see some applications afterwards and ask ourselves, are we like that? We openly sin against God's known commandment, but we say, well, it is, it is to obey God. For his case, to obey God in offering sacrifices, excuses, search our own hearts. It's very deceptive. Young ones, are you making excuses when your parents catch you sinning? Are you acting like King Saul? Excuses. We saw a lot of that last week. Now, the second one. Well, it could be out of good intentions. Good intentions. Well, if Saul's case was, well, as far as the, well, the best of the rams, if maybe he was sincere. He truly, as far as the animals are concerned, he wanted it to be sacrificed to God. Now, Maybe he was not. But the fact is this. Samuel still said the same thing to him. To obey is better than sacrifice. Now, good intentions does not excuse our disobedience. Remember that. We must not think, you know, I had good intentions. So I'm sure God understands. But Samuel's word from the word from God is to obey is better than sacrifice. Well, you know, if we were to um, disobey God in some, some areas, where we have good intentions, we can actually do a lot more for God. I sincerely had the intention. It does not matter. The resounding behold is to obey is better than to sacrifice. It does not change that. So very, don't fall into this self-deception. Don't fall into this oh, excuse for yourself. I had good intentions. It does not count with God. Probably the most common one. We see the applications afterwards. Now, then there is 
a third potential reason. Now, no great, no great harm is done, right? No great harm is done. Now, in fact, more good can come out of this. Samuel, why are you so upset, Samuel? Sparing the animals? Did it cause any harm to human beings? No, right? In fact, now we have more. The best of the best for your God. Now, sometimes when we think, well, you know, disobeying God in this or that, it did not harm anyone. In fact, it helped the church. It helped another brother. It helped my family. So if there's no harm done, I'm sure God is all right with that. Resounding words is still, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Same words, even if it is some good come out of it and little harm. In fact, no harm was done. Now, another potential reason is, well, the end justifies the meaning, the means, right? Very similar to no great harm done. Now, the ends, well, at the end of the day, if what comes out of it, the end, result, is something good, something that is, well, still an obedience to God, then it justifies our disobedience. It is a very common thinking in Christianity today, especially for the church, and even in individuals. Now, if I, if I, obey, if I disobey God in this, but you know, so much, so much good can come out of it in my service, in my time, in my giving, in my family. Like I say, more applications will come, but let's gather some of these potential reasons why we can think like that. Examine our own hearts. But the same resounding words. God says, I know, there are so many rams. Now, rams would signify the chiefest, the best. Not only that, to hearken, then the fat of rams is the best of the best. God said, yeah, there are the best of the best before me, I know. Yeah, that's the end result of you sparing the rams. But I still say to you, to obey is better than sacrifice. So don't excuse our own hearts. Don't think that the end justifies the mean now. Then the next one, trade-offs. Trade-offs, right? Similar concept, a trade-off. Now I'm trying to split hairs here because I want to make sure that we examine our own hearts. Trade-offs. Now if I disobey God in this, well, in the long run, there is a good trade-off. Isn't it true? Samuel, think about this, Samuel. By sparing the rams of our enemies, and there are tons of it, right? Now, as Israel, we are constantly subjugated. Our supply of, well, the best of the best is limited. But now with this, there is a long-term, there is a long, there is a continuous supply of the best of the best for God. Don't you think, Samuel, this is a good trade-off? Now, sometimes when we sin, we almost think that God can be bribed. God is not man. You know how we are with people? I've offended someone. Let me see what I can do right? Let me bring rich gifts, the favorite gifts of this person. 
all right? Whatever is your favorite, all right? And when the person looks at it, the person will be delighted. You see, that is the assumption. Hath God delight in sacrifices, offerings and sacrifices? The person will be delighted. And when the person is delighted, well, the trade-off will start. Well, he will, he will be forgiving. He will forget, forgive and forget. Now, that is how we think that we can function with God too. Human beings are easily delighted by things. But God is delighted first and foremost by obedience. Let us not think of God like God is like men. Now then the, the next one. Well, well, it can simply, simply be ignorance. Ignorance. Maybe some of us really did not understand. Well, I didn't know that God functions this way. I always felt that good intentions, God looks at the heart and that was enough. I thought that was the case. Now, I always thought that, well, if I could do more for God, well, some disobedience here and there that can result in a better service, well, I thought that God would actually look at me and say, actually, you're a very clever boy, clever child of mine, right? Well done. I thought that is how God thinks. But today, I learn, I realize, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Now I learn something about how God thinks, what God expects, how He functions. Now I must change. I must change. It could be ignorance. Either you have not been faithful in studying the Word yourself, coming to church to learn about God, and as a result, that is how you think. You make God in your own image, right? That's how you think God functions. Maybe because, well, yeah, you simply just don't think. Ignorance. Now you can no longer claim ignorance. You can no longer claim ignorance. Behold, pay attention. Now it can be the last one, a mixture of all the above, right? A mixture of all the above. Choose any combination. If you're taking notes, go back and look. Well, this combination, yeah, it works with the other. That's how I have been thinking. Well, it can be a combination of all this. But now, from now onwards, behold, we need to be careful. We need to be honest. We need to examine carefully. Because God says, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. That is the expectation of God. Now, now we come to some applications. So you say, now that I've understood the principle, it's become clear, maybe it's always been clear, and thank you for your patience. But now if you understand this clearly, then now what are some examples of such an attitude, such a response in our life here and today? Right? Because, well, we don't bring rams, we don't bring these offerings anymore, but how does it apply to us today? The same principle, the same, same concept. Now, let's look at various aspects of our life in application of this principle. Well, are we guilty of such an attitude in the workplace? Let's start with the work, our jobs, or our business engagements, first of all. As you know, in Australia, especially in Perth, I guess, or probably every state, fly-in, fly-out jobs FIFO jobs are very lucrative, very lucrative. 
Well, same with many other jobs where it requires you to, well, be away from your family much of the time, um, not to be able to worship the Lord on the Lord's day. Now, working on Sundays. Now, this kind of jobs typically pays very well. Now, even now when you hear such things, some of you university students, you're coming out to work soon, is your heart fluttering? Wow, I didn't know that. Maybe I should go and take on such jobs. Now, I was thinking of sharing some data. Well, I think it's not necessary, right? But when you think about that, now, basically, even if, you're, if you don't have um, um, certificates, university degrees, it still pays very well in many of the areas. But you know that is going to take you away from the study of the Word. If you're married, take you away from your family duties. It will take you away from serving God, worst of all. It will cause you to break the Lord's day, week after week. But you say in your heart, you know, but the ends justifies the means. Because if I take on such jobs, the salaries are high. You know, I can increase my tithe and offering. The church building fund will have no more problems, right? I can give to the Lord's work. You see, if I disobey God in the other commands with respect to my duties to my family, my duties of worship and keeping the Lord's day holy unto the Lord, my duties to studying the Word and having time to serve Him in the church, well, it's okay to disobey those because... Well, it brings more money. And with more money, maybe business engagements. Well, I will be unequally yoked, but it will bring more money. With more money, I can spend more time with my family. I don't have to work so hard anymore. I can just let someone else run the business. However he runs the business, I don't really care. But now I have more time to lead my family. You see, that is how we can think. Thinking that having some of these things, well, maybe... Subconsciously, we want it for ourselves. But we have that excuse, I can do more for God. And you indeed even bring more offerings to God. Now, we can begin to think that this is fine with God. God is pleased. God is pleased. Now, students, what about in school? Well, there are many other examples, right? So adults, you think about what it is that is tempting you. Or what it is that you're currently disobeying God in. And you've always felt that it is fine because... You know, the other thing about fly in, fly out jobs, often Christians quote this, not only that I can give more. You know, I am very often not required to go to work for a few days. And those are the days where other Christians can't serve. But I have three or four off days. I have more time to serve God than others. I'm available to serve the church where others are working. You see, it is so good. Either ignorance or intentional disobedience giving loud excuse, professing that I'm doing this for a good cause for God. Now, what about school, young ones? I want to go to church, maybe genuinely. I want to go for prayer meetings. I want to attend Bible studies. But you know, I'm not so clever. I need more time to do my project, my homework. But in order to do that, well, I found out that I can copy my classmates' work. I can cheat. I can take easy way out that are dishonest. But now I can go to church, right? 
Maybe you only want to come to church because you don't want to be left out. You want to play with your friends. Whatever is the reason. Or maybe you feel that, well, if I don't go to church as regularly, well, I just go to worship on the Lord's day. But the other days, I focus on studying. Why? Because I want to glorify God. I want to bear a good testimony for God by having good results and being the top student in school. You see, when I don't obey God in the assembling of the saints, when I don't obey God in study to show thyself approved unto God, the study is pour your energy and your soul into it to the point of exhaustion. I don't, if I don't obey God in those things, now I can bear a good testimony. Student, is that how you think? If I do all this, not like the other Christians, you know, I'm doing so well in school and I'm glorifying God. Remember God says, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Now, I'm not saying that good results, studying hard, is wrong. I'm not saying that glorifying God is unnecessary. But you must search your heart disobeying God in any commandment to achieve another commandment, whether sincerely or insincerely. Now, God simply says, obey is better than sacrifice. Now, next one. Now, this is a common one, I think, in application. In the area of friendships, friendships. Well, many Christians, they go partying with unbelievers. Right? They go out, they drink, they go, to, um, they go dancing, they go partying, um, they dress immodestly like them. And the reason given is this. You know, in order to have evangelistic opportunities among them, I have to go to these places with them. I have to be close with them. I have to dress like them, talk like them, watch the movies they watch, play the computer games they play in order for, them, for me to be part of them so that I can evangelize them. You see, we can come out with many, well, so-called good outcome-sounding reasons for God and in obedience to God to go forth and, and um, preach the gospel to every creature, right? I'm obeying that, but I need to do this in order to achieve that. Now, are you also giving this excuse to your parents or to yourself? Now, what about courtship? What about courtship? Evangelistic dating. The person is an unbeliever. But you know, in order for me to lead this person to Christ, isn't it good? Lead a person to Christ. And you know, if I'm in a relationship with this person, even get married to this person, I can spend so much time to lead this person to Christ. Save a soul out of hell. That's a potential, high potential. Isn't that good? But God simply says not to be unequally yoked. God simply says that any yoking with... God says, well, what have light to do with darkness? The, the believer with the infidels. Meaning to say, these two cannot be in a relationship. Marriages too. You know, if I get married to this person... Yes, number one, I can lead the person to Christ. Now, even if I cannot, we can have children and I can bring up the children to be godly seed for God. There are many reasons that we can come up with. Now, what about the home? Father, head of homes, mother, 
either or both choosing to disobey the family model because there are evangelistic opportunities, because it enables us to serve God better, fulfilling one commandment towards our parents, but breaking another commandment. But all these are things that we face all the time. All the time. We have to be re remembering these words. Whenever we are tempted to feel that, you know, if I, if I just don't obey God in this, not much harm done, but so much good can come out of it, and it can, it can bring more to the kingdom of God. Resounding words of the Lord, to obey is better than sacrifice. Now, the last but not least application is the church. The church. The church. There is a church in Singapore, and they have a project, I think it's called the Crossover Project. All right? In fact, the pastor went to prison because they used lots of the church money, millions and millions of the church money, for his wife, who is the pastress of the church, for his wife to be in the um, music industry in the U.S. So she dress, dresses scantily, right? basically in underwear, prancing around on MTV to rock music, gyrating provocatively, um, crudely. And when exposed that he has been using this money to promote her career there, they say, well, this is called a crossover project to cross over to the unbelieving people and to cross over to this, this area of the music industry which Christians cannot reach. So if we are there, my wife is there, this is a secret way of infiltrating and getting them to know Christ. Of course, they cannot declare this kind of money used for that. So finally, it was exposed. Huge news in Singapore. The pastor went to jail. The wife continues to be the pastress. What? all in the idea of evangelism. See, Christians began to support the pastor and the pastor's wife. This is a good cause. It's a sincere. Yes, 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 broke some country laws, but they were sincere. They had good intentions. Now, like I say before, we judge others. We, in our own ways, whether it's our personal life, our family life, we in our own ways are not very different when it comes to what we want. We give excuses. These are dangerous things. These are things we need to be truly honest about. Well, what about the church? Well, are we saying that, well, in order, in order for the church to grow, still some empty seats over there, we are going to build a bigger sanctuary in order for the church to go. You know, young people, they love rock music. They love the rock kind of culture in worship. Let's have that. Why? Because it will bring in more people. Does not God want more people to hear the gospel? Of course, He does. Does not God tell us to reach out to more? Of course, He does. But God also tells us not to be like the world. God also tells us His church is the pillar and ground of the truth. These are many things of darkness. It is not truth. The Apostle Paul says, I want to present the church and you all as a chaste bride to Christ, not a carnal, worldly, world-infested, infiltrated church. But let us put that aside because think of the number of people that will come in. 
Think of the number of people we can reach. Think of even the increase in tithe and offerings. Think about that pastor. Now, that's the thinking of many churches today. Now, what about compromise? Cooperation with the new evangelicals, with the ecumenical movement, with the charismatic movement, with the Roman Catholic Church. They're all returning to form unity. Unity is good. Christ expects unity. But in order for that to happen, we have to erase doctrinal errors, ignore doctrinal errors of the movements in order to, well, obey unity. God's unity is always in truth. You see, even for the church, the temptation is always there. Many churches have fallen because of that. Well, maybe you say not so extreme. Well, pastor, can we have more games on fellowship nights? Can we have more, well, talks for the elderly on well, how to manage our health? For the young people, well, strategies in managing finances, well, how to, how to um, do better at our work, well, all these kind of things. Why, why don't we have more of this? More of my colleagues will come to church. You see, there are many reasons that you say, well, these are sacrifices to God, offerings, our service. All the temptations are there. A church can brag about the number of people. A church can brag about, we have so many missionary works, but they are all works of compromise. So you see, when it comes to our daily life and even church life, we can be like King Saul. That's a reality. And I'm afraid many individuals and churches have fallen into this reality, this sad reality. Now, last but not least, an application, what about our personal choices? Our personal choices. One of the important principles to remember now, do not rush into decisions, Christians. At that point, now if Saul, for example, was sincere, at that point, saw all these wonderful rams, so fat, right? fatter than the Israel's lambs, uh, rams. He looks at it, hey, hang on, Ding, a bright idea comes up. Let me think about this. Wow, if we spare them, if I as king did, don't stop them, and just let them go ahead. Now think about this, sparing all this. We are suddenly going to have a lot of things to offer to Samuel's God. That is a mighty good idea. Now, sometimes we are in decisions, we are in life, and then we see something and we say, wait, hang on, this can mean a lot to the church. This can mean a lot to the work of God. This can enable me to serve God better, to give more to God. Well, this sounds like a mighty good idea. Now, having understood this principle, as far as God is concerned, to obey is better than sacrifice, to hearken than the fats of rams. Once you remember this principle, say, let me hang on, let me think about this. This decision that I'm making. Now, am I actually then disobeying God in another area? I better stop then. Seems like a good idea at that time. Now, some of you are going to fill in job applications. Some of you are applying for your permanent residency. Some of you are, well, whatever decisions it is, that well, have some legal forms to be filled. Would you, would you lie on those forms? 
if I tell some half-truths there, half-obedience, right? Partial obedience. I tell some half-truths there. It will result in me with a higher potential to stay on in Perth. I am serving currently in some capacity in the church. Now, what happens if I do not get my PR and I have to go back to my country? Who's going to take care of that ministry? You know, if I just, well, I won't outwardly lie, but give half-truths. And as a result of that, I can stay. Continue to contribute to the work of the church. And I feel my application for a job. Well, I can exaggerate. I can, well, you know, if I get this job, I can, I can give more to the church. See, there are many reasons we can come out of come up with in our personal choices. And at that moment, like Saul standing there, wow, look at this. So at that moment, wow, look at this job. Wow, look at this offer. Wow, look at this opportunity. If I just disobey a little bit, no one will be harmed. No one will be affected. I think it is okay. Just keep remembering. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Now, maybe at this point, you still think, I think, you know, all these are just overreaction. Overreacting to, to all this. Everybody does it. Come on, you know. Think of the good that will come out of it. Now, are we overreacting? Is Samuel overreacting? Samuel, come on. Don't be a party spoiler. Good comes out of it. Now, very often in church arguments, and I thank God we don't have this in this church anymore. The disunity of the session. Come on, don't, don't be so legalistic. If we just declare this differently, we can, ex- we can go ahead with our church building quickly, right? Instead of going back and forth. Don't be so, so stubborn. Just compromise a little bit. Why are you overreacting, such a member? Think of the good in the long run for the church, for God's work. Now, maybe you think that it's all just overreacting. Then we move to the next verse, verse 23. Verse 23. Now, Samuel explains it further. Verse 23. For, and that's the explanation, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as the iniquity and idolatry. Wow. Do you notice certain words? Witchcraft. Witchcraft was one of the most heinous, hated, absolute no-no sin that the Israelites must ever even think of, let alone commit. Witchcraft. But please notice this, well, seemingly innocuous disobedience in order to have good things, sacrifices. What is the response? What is the thinking about God? Now, Christian, what is God's thoughts? As far as God is concerned, what is God's opinion regarding such an attitude is found in verse 23. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. So, when you do not want to obey God's word and when you obey it partially, thinking that, well, it can bring good, as far as God is concerned, it's called witchcraft. 
Christian, when you think, I just under-declare something, over-declare something, it brings good. Students, you think, just cheat a little bit, it brings good. I can be a good testimony for God with good results. Now, whatever it is, just remember these resounding words. God would just point at us. Witchcraft is not overreacting. Why is rebellion as witchcraft? Now, Christian, let's just be simply clear about this. We spoke about this two weeks ago. Partial obedience with Saul committed. As far as God is concerned, it's called rebellion. Because you know something needs to be done. Now, even you have done something else in obedience to God, as long as you choose not to do something which you know God says for you to obey in, it's still called rebellion. Parents, you understand that. I told you to clean your room. Yes, but I clean my bed. But what about all the rubbish on the floor? In your heart, you know, you are a rebellious child. So as I end up, we know that, we say that to our children. But let us apply that to ourselves. Are there any area which, even if you think this brings good, is still called rebellion? Now, why is rebellion as witchcraft such a serious um, accusation? <coughs> this is not, these are not my words. You read it from scriptures. Now, what is witchcraft? Now, witchcraft is, is, is severely and clearly forbidden by God, all right? for the Israelites and for us today. Now, witchcraft is really turning to listen to another voice. They will go to the seers. And they will ask the seers, now, what about the future? What about this? What about that? What should I do? It's listening to another voice rather than the voice of God. Look at chapter 15, verse 1. God made it clear. Hearken thou unto the voice of of the words of the Lord. The words given is the voice of God with no uncertainty given to him. Now look at verse 22. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. To hearken constantly about who do you listen to? When the Christian wants to listen to the world, when the, listen wants, the Christian wants to listen to the voice of his own will is rebellion but God says that rebellion is showing that it's the same sin as witchcraft you rather listen to what the world says is good what the world says um, um, is fine or not fine than what I've clearly stated what I've clearly stated you will not do what your friends say what the world tells you is success. You rather listen to their voices. That's witchcraft. God tells you, this is the way for you to succeed. And this is the meaning of success. But you listen to the world. Success means the other thing. And the way to success is, this is how I must live. But God, your way do not work. Witchcraft. You take the voice of the world, you take the voice of your friends as better advice and wiser than God. Witchcraft. Hence God said, hearken. To hearken is better than the fats of rams. Hearken. Listen to God's voice. 
Witchcraft is seeking an alternate instruction. You have a desire. You know what God's Word says. But you want to keep finding someone else, another church, another person that will give you the advice that you want to hear. Witchcraft. They have God to seek. But they want to know what the world's idols, idols say about things. An alternate opinion. When the only opinion, the only instruction that is needed for us is God's voice. The words of the Lord, which is His voice. Now, witchcraft is rebellion. A rebellion is witchcraft, right? Now, disobedience is basically wanting to do what we want to do instead of what God commands us to do. That is what it is. Now, but you say, but everyone does it. The other churches have it. My friends who are Christians, they do this. It is like them, the seer, right? The witchcraft, uh, the witchcraft practitioner, the seer said this. Now, you may think that, like I said again, if in the past you've been thinking, well, you know, this kind of thing, our church is just too extreme. I hope that you come back to these words of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. Saul thought, Saul thought, this is unnecessarily overreacting on Samuel's part. Now, the next one. Oh, at this point, I would say, you say, Pastor, I do not play with Uja boards. I do not watch Harry Potter, all right? I do not watch well, all these things of darkness. I do not read horoscopes. But rebelliousness, partial obedience, Obedient thinking that God will excuse you because some good come of it. God says it's the same as witchcraft. I'm not, I won't say you might as well play with witchcraft, right? I'm not saying that. But let's take this seriously. Now then, the next one. Is this overreacting? Let's look at verse 23. Look at verse 23. Now it says, And, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Another thing, idolatry, something that the children of Israel are constantly reminded of, constantly chastised for, idolatry, very hateful to God. It's an adultery. Now, but here God says stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Children, are you stubborn? Is your middle name at home called stubborn? <laughs> Adult? While we laugh at them? Are we also having the middle name. Maybe our first name is stubborn. <laughs> We're just better at concealing it, that's all. Stubbornness. Stubbornness is basically idolatry. Well, first of all, stubbornness is as iniquity. Means stubbornness is a sin. Why must God say that? Because stubbornness is so common today. We act stubborn. Means we are told about something, we refuse to admit it, we refuse to submit to it, we refuse to obey it. Stubbornness. And it's been told many times. We still do not want to respond to it. Stubbornness. Why is stubbornness sin? It's so common. Everybody does it. But God says it does not matter if everybody has this characteristic. It is still sin. Just because everyone acts like that doesn't make it not sin to God. It is sin. 
All right? I would just want to leave that as that. But stubbornness is as idolatry. Idolatry? I don't have idols at home, but stubbornness is idolatry. Now, why? Why is stubbornness idolatry? I think it will dawn on you very easily. Now, idolatry is stealing honor from God. The first and the second commandment is clear. Only God deserves worship and obedience. Only God. The moment you have idols, it means you worship and serve and obey the idol. Idol, um, stubbornness is idolatry because stubbornness is a refusal to bow to the commandment of God. A refusal to bow to the commandments of God. We know that this is wrong. We have been told, we have been warned. Saul has been warned more than once. But he stubbornly just ignored the commandment and just went ahead to obey God. Young ones, elderly, just when you and I think, we don't have idols, but as long as we are stubborn in something, we are still refusing to repent, still refusing to obey God completely. As far as God is concerned, we have idols. We bow to our will. Now, remember the word idolatry. Idolatry. The first letter is I. It's always about me, my will. God, this is what I want. I know you said that, but this is what I want. That's why we are stubborn. This is what I want for my family. This is what I want for my career. This is what I want to have. I. That's the greatest idol. At the end of the day, whatever is the idol, it comes back to, I want this. It ends with why. I want this. Why can't I? I know why is WH5, right? Just helping you to think. Why can't I? Why must I obey you, God? Why must I listen? Why must I do this? Why must I be deprived of that? Why? Idolatry is like that. I want and I will keep asking, why? Why can't I? Why must I? Stubbornness. That is what it is. Self-will. We know better. I am the God that decides for my own life, who I marry, what I choose to do, where I choose to live, is I that decides. So stubbornness is idolatry. Now, when we are stubborn, effectively, we are actually obeying another God. When Saul chose to obey and partially and not obey, the other part of the God is himself. This is what I want. Now, at the end of the day, you form a Christianity of your own. You are not obeying God. You are obeying yourself. Where it's convenient, you will obey God, whether as a church or as an individual. Where, where, where it is what you do not want to obey, you choose to disobey and you form your own Christianity. God is all right with this. As long as God benefits the church, benefits, God is all right with it. This is not the Christianity of the Bible. You might as well be in another religion because that is what God says. It's idolatry. You might as well have another religion because stubbornness will make you form 
Christianity into what you want. You will read the Word of God to suit what you want. You will form God in your image. Now, then we come in the last part. Now, so what does God expect? What does God expect? It is found in verse 22. Well, first, as we've, as we've read many times, um, verse 22, now, behold, to obey. So first, to obey, to obey. Second, and to hearken, to obey and to hearken. You say, Lord, I do not want to be guilty of this sin. I begin to realize that in many ways, that's me. Lord, what should I do? First, to obey. Now, what is obey? Now, obey is to actually to hear, to hearken. You cannot obey God without hearing first. Hence, God makes it repeatedly clear. Now, hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. You must know God's word. You must read God's word. You must attend Bible studies. You must listen before you can obey. All right? It fundamentally begins with hearing. That's the epistemology of the word, to listen. And it is to listen, well, with attention to obey. To listen with an attention to follow the instructions. You can keep listening, keep hearing, but you filter off those that on Sundays, week after week, I filter out those parts that I do not want to obey God in. No, it's to listen intelligently, listen intently for the purpose of following the instructions. Not Saul. Saul heard. But he heard not to obey. He listened not in order to obey. What do we listen to? The voice of the world, I've said many times. The voice of self. The voice of friends. The voice of the philosophies of the world. The voice of the culture and the um, um, priorities and values of the world over the voice of God. Now, what is to hearken? To hearken is literally to prick up your ears, right? To prick up your ears and to listen carefully. It is to give, to mark well the word of God, to mark it well and to regard God's idea above all else. That's called hearken. To regard the word of God above all else and mark it as, as supreme. God says these are the two things that the Christian must be clear in his or her heart. Whenever you face any situation, whenever any thoughts crosses your mind about should I do this, should I not do this, what does God's word say? Don't just take one part. You know, when we want to justify our decision and our choices, we can always find something in scriptures to justify it. But hearken is different. Hearken is, well, to incline, to give your ears every aspect. I think of every aspect, not just one. Very carefully. Now, ultimately, in the New Testament, this concept is made clear to us. Shall we turn to Romans chapter 12? This is the last part. Romans chapter 12.
Now let's read, uh, allow me to read verses 1 and 2 together to you, verses, chapter 12, verse 1. Now I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Are we asked to make sacrifices to God? Yes, it's to present our bodies a living sacrifice. What does it mean? Now it means that our whole heart, soul and mind is given to God, consecrated, set apart for God. Holy, acceptable unto God. Now this is about not about what you want, not about what you choose to decide. Everything is about God. It's a whole burnt offering. Nothing left on the altar. And to put it simply, in verse 12, it is about the will of God. The will of God. Rebellion, stubbornness is basically, Lord, I do not want to hear what you want to say or what you have said about this because it conflicts with my will. What I want in this life, it conflicts with that. We are called to sacrifice. The bottom line of every sacrifice that the Old Testament people bring, the ultimate bottom line of it is their submission to God. God says, bring this for the sacrifice of, of sin. Yes, God. I won't think of something else. God says, this is how you are saved. Yes, God. Now, you've heard the gospel many times. Are you still going to go on and say, no, no, in my idea and from my upbringing, being a good person is what will save me. If I am a good person, I expect that God must forgive me and take me to heaven. See, it's your will, your ideas, your own thoughts, your own voice. Are you going to submit to the voice of the living God? He is the judge, not you. You are going to be judged. Are you going to submit and say, yes, this is, now I understand, this is the only way for me to be saved, to turn to Jesus Christ as my Savior. I ask Him to wash away my sins and trust in Him alone and thereafter to live in obedience to Him as my God and my Savior. Or are you going to still say, I don't submit to what this God says. It doesn't change whether you submit to Him or not. The judgment is still the same at the end of the day for you. Now back to this for the Christian. Sacrifices themselves are not evil. I've said that many times. So don't say, oh, from now onwards, I won't serve. I don't need to serve. I don't need to um, 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 give tithe and offerings. I don't need to come to worship. Now, God is not saying that. Now, God is saying when we do all these things, the reason why we do all these things is because of our obedience to God. That is what delights Him. Underpinning all your service, underpinning your worship, underpinning your life of prayer is first and foremost obedience, not partial obedience. Now, when the Christian realized this, 
Sacrifice is about the complete submission of the heart and the will and the soul and the mind to God's desires, God's commands, God's expectation. That is the meaning of Romans 12 verse 1. Your body, a living sacrifice. Your heart, your mind, your will is all totally in submission and given over to God. Whenever there is any command that you do not like, it does not matter. I am dead. I'm totally sacrificed to him. Now, Christian, the bottom line of our worship, bottom line of our service, bottom line of our, of, of our um, giving, is first and foremost, as far as God is concerned, to hearken, to obey, and to hearken. Now, what is... This is what truly delights God. This is what truly brings joy to the heart of God. Now, my closing statement is, to better, it is better to obey than sacrifice. In other words, this must be the supreme, the supreme and uncompromising principle of Christian living. To obey is better than to sacrifice, must be our supreme and chief and uncompromising principle in Christian living. To do otherwise, these are not the words of the preacher, these are the words of the voice of the Lord. To do otherwise, when this is not supreme, chief, and uncompromising principle, to do otherwise, God says it is witchcraft, sin, and idolatry. These are the words of God. Let us take heed. Shall we rise to sing the closing hymn? 228. Shall we rise? 228. 228.